The Children Trap The Biblical Blueprint for Education This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit garynorth.com forward slash freebooks to download this book. Chapter 1 God Owns the Children Quote, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those that dwell therein. End quote. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. A few years ago, a fierce battle broke out in the state of Ohio between the government and the Christian schools. The government authorities appealed to the Ohio State Constitution, which says that the state has a claim over children prior to the claims of parents. In contrast, ancient societies held that children belonged to the parents. It was not unusual for female infants to be exposed to the elements and left to die. Male infants were seen as more important because the state needed warriors. Parents could kill their own children if they wished. This was true in sophisticated Rome. Which is it? Do children belong to the state or the parents? The Bible teaches that neither view is valid. Both positions are humanistic to the core. In America today, a woman is permitted by the state to put her unborn child to death. The practice of abortion has been legalized by the Supreme Court of the United States since 1973. The fact that the unborn child is referred to as a fetus or the, quote, product of conception, end quote, does not change the situation one bit. The taking of the child's life may be called a surgical, quote, procedure, unquote, but it is murder just the same. The humanist position has no regard for the sanctity of human life. It respects only presently held power, the power of the existing state or the existing parents to exercise their power over those who are presently defenceless. Its implications are frightening. If children belong to parents, then parents can do whatever they want to do with them. Thus, child abuse is on the increase. Abortion, the ultimate in child abuse, ravages our land in epidemic proportions. It should not surprise us then that our schools are full of child abuse and violent children. On the other hand, if children belong to the state, then the state can do whatever it wants to do with them. The state can take them away from their parents at whatever age it wishes. The state can dictate whether they go to school, where they go to school and what they will be taught. Clearly, the notion that either parents or the state ultimately owns the children is directly contrary to what the Bible teaches. Children, like everything else, belong to God. Children are not made in the image of Caesar so they do not belong to Caesar. Neither are they simply a bundle of shared genes and chromosomes made in the image of their parents. They are created in the likeness of God. Every person on earth is made in the image of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the totality of things. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 we read, quote, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. End quote. The image of God in man was not destroyed by the fall of man into sin. 
after the fall of Adam, God instituted the death penalty for the deliberate taking of human life. The reason God gave for the death penalty was that, quote, quote, in the image of God, he made man, end quote, Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Because he created everything, God owns everything. The earth is the Lord's. Those who, quote, dwell therein, unquote, belong to God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and gold belong to him. The church belongs to God. Civil governments belong to God. And of course, children belong to God. But not only do children belong to God, their parents do as well. They claim sovereignty when, in fact, only God is sovereign. He is Lord of all. He is sovereign over all. The devil was claiming sovereignty over the earth when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He, so, he showed Jesus, quote, all the kingdoms of the world, end quote, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, and said, quote, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me, end quote, chapter 4, verse 9. Jesus did not yield to Satan's lie. Our Lord knew that the devil was a usurper. The kingdoms of this world belong to God. Yet, Satan did have a legitimate claim over the earth as a steward. Adam had surrendered his title as God's lawfully appointed steward over the earth when he sinned against God by listening to Satan and following his advice. In order for God to reclaim this forfeited title to the stewardship of the earth, he sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to live a perfect life and reclaim title. See the book on economics in the Biblical Blueprint series by Gary North. Inherit the earth. Psalm 2 describes the kings and rulers of the earth in rebellion against God, but, quote, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, end quote. God has established his son as king, and God states, quote, I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession, end quote, Psalm 2, verse 8. Clearly, everything and everyone belongs to God. God has a special claim upon children because they are made in his image. God sent Christ to die on the cross for his people. He made a covenant with Abraham and with his children, quote, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you, end quote. Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. God gave circumcision as the sign of this covenantal relationship in the Old Testament. The New Testament sign of the covenant is baptism. In addition, Jesus showed special interest in children when he said, quote, Suffer the children to come unto me and forbid them not, end quote. The state has no children. The Bible tells us, quote, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward, end quote. Psalm 127, verse 3. God says to husbands, quote, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table, end quote. Psalm 128, verse 3. The government does not bear children. It can only adopt or control someone else's children. God brings children into the world through parents. When I was in Israel several years ago, 
I had the opportunity to visit the site of the Qumran community, where the Dead Sea Scrolls originated. The sect that lived there in ancient times was the Essenes. They did not believe in marriage and had no children of their own. The only way they could keep the sect going was by adopting children. Those who worship the state as their god are like the Essenes. They want to claim all the children as their own. They are especially eager to have the children from Christian homes so that they can indoctrinate them in the ways of secular humanism. By the way, this is also the position facing homosexuals. They do not grow in numbers by reproduction. They grow only by recruiting. This is a good reason why homosexuals should not be hired to teach. It is also a good reason for sending your sons to a Christian school. So, who owns the children? God owns the children. The Bible answers that question clearly and emphatically. It is basic to the whole question of control. Stewardship. But there is still a problem. I think I know what a Christian is going to say. Quote, God owns my house too, end quote. But you consider yourself the owner. The deed has your name on it. You pay the mortgage. You pay the taxes. Yes, you are willing to admit that, in theory, God owns everything. But in practice, don't people own things? Doesn't that apply also to children? We probably would not say that we own our children, but we do say that they are our children. I read about a father whose son had just scored against a rival sports team. That's my son, he proudly exclaimed to the lady sitting next to him. He's my son too, she quickly reminded him. We want people to know that they are our kids, at least when they're behaving well and achieving something of value. God tells the Israelite, Psalm 128 verse 3, that, quote, Your children, unquote, shall be like olive plants round about, quote, your table, end quote. We might infer from this that a man's children belong to him, just as his table can be said to be his. But this is not quite true. For instance, a father can't discard his children the way he might throw away a table. A father has responsibilities to his children because parents and children really belong to God. Those who favour abortion argue that a woman has a, quote, right to do what she wants to do with her own body, end quote. This argument ignores the fact that the unborn child is another person, God's person. So the mother has no God-granted right to destroy the innocent unborn. He will judge those who in any way promote abortion, for they are denying his sovereign ownership over people. The Christian should not accept the notion that a woman's body, or any person's body for that matter, belongs to that person. We belong to God, and we must live on God's terms. The child belongs to God. God, in his infinite wisdom, entrusts children to parents for their upbringing. The parents are to be faithful trustees under God. They are to be faithful stewards, caring for another person's property. Everything we have belongs to God. Our land, houses, automobiles, talents, children, and everything else we call ours belongs to God. We are to use our material possessions to God's glory and to bring up our children, quote, 
in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, end quote. Humanistic governments claim they own everything. Civil governments that operate according to the religion of humanism claim ownership over children. They also claim to own everything else as well. Consider the case of our income. The United States government claims that, in principle, 100% of our income belongs to us, since it also claims that, in principle, the source of this income, property, belongs to it. This was not true prior to 1913, but with the passage of the income tax, assuming it really was passed legally, the federal government had all limits on its taxing powers removed. The federal government does not actually tax 100% of our income. If it did, everyone would quit working, and there wouldn't be any income to tax. So the government exempts some income from taxation, then it taxes the remainder at a rate below 100%. The top rates have in the past been over 90% and currently are 50%. While it is encouraging to see the top rates coming down, the fact remains that the government claims the right to tax all income at 100%. This is actually done in Sweden. Film producer Ingmar Bergman fled Sweden in the 1970s when the government taxed him 102% of his previous year's income. Consider private property. When we buy a house, we like to think that we own it. The deeds I get from my property state that my wife and I are, quote, tenants in common, end quote, or, quote, tenants by the entirety, end quote. I always thought a tenant was a person who was renting from someone else. Who is our landlord? You guessed it. This state lays ultimate claim to our property, just as the kings claimed that all the land belonged to them in ancient times. So modern states claim ownership over the land as they claim the right to tax 100% of our incomes. So they claim the right to unlimited taxation on our real estate. The humanistic claim to ownership of land is seen in the story of Tobiah and Sanballat. It is recorded in Nehemiah 5, the two men had driven the people of Jerusalem to the brink of slavery through confiscation, conscription, and abusive taxation. Nehemiah, the godly governor of the province, confronted their sin and exposed their power-grasping schemes. The, the issue for him was sovereignty. For that matter, the issue for Tobiah and Sanballat was sovereignty too. But whose sovereignty? For Nehemiah, God's sovereignty over the land precluded power plays. For Tobiah and Zimbalat, their sovereignty gave them absolute free reign. The humanistic state today, like the administration of Tobiah and Zimbalat, claims the right of, quote, eminent domain. What it wants, it takes. At least in the United States, the Constitution provides that the taking is supposed to be for public uses, and compensation is to be paid to the landowner. But this is not always honoured, in fact, by the courts. Recently, I received a letter from the Commonwealth of Virginia stating that they would be taking some of my property for highway purposes. At the same time, the county government is denying me the right to use this land for office buildings. Governments claim the right to our property through land use laws. 
It is interesting that in the years 1912 and 1913, three major changes were made in the United States affecting property. The three changes were the constitutional amendment providing for the income tax, the establishment of the Federal Reserve Bank, which regulates the value of our money, and the first zoning laws, the constitutional amendment authorizing direct election of US senators was also passed in 1913. All three of these cases grew out of a religious view which we today call humanism. All are based on the idea of state ownership of income, money and land. When the Communist Manifesto was written by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels in 1848, they advocated centralised government control. They proposed centralised banking such as we have with the Federal Reserve Bank. They proposed the graduated income tax. They also called for all children to be educated in government-run schools. Humanists are a minority in the United States today, but their programme has been widely adopted. Are we surprised that a government that claims the right to all our income and all our property would also claim the right to our children? Of course the humanists want our children. No wonder they are fighting so fiercely to keep control. They want our children and they want us to pay the tax bill. Christians have been putting up with this scheme since the 1830s. Why? Because they have forgotten the Bible's answer to this question. Who is the lawfully appointed trustee for the education of children? The state or the family? Worse, Christians, until very recently, seldom if ever self-consciously asked themselves this crucial question. But the humanists asked the question and came up with the wrong answer. The state. Remember, the humanists' supreme principle, implicit or explicit, is presently held power. The only exception to this are revolutionary humanists who respect future state power and anarchists who call for the destruction of the state and who worship the power of the free market or the power of voluntary communes. Theirs is a power religion, just like the religions of the ancient pagan world. The state is the most powerful institution in the humanists' worldview, so it is their god. Public school teachers, not parents, are its lawfully, lawfully appointed trustees. Even though their answer was wrong, they got their way. They set the agenda for education. Their wrong answer was more powerful than no answer at all. Their answer won by default. This should remind us of the old political truth. You can't fight something with nothing. The nature of the fight. Quote, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. End quote. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Christian schools make no pretense of neutrality. They are not ashamed of Jesus Christ, nor afraid to speak up for his cause. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the beginning and the end. He is the fountain of wisdom. He is the master teacher of all time. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the truth. He is the saviour of the world. He is God. He is Lord over all. 
The goal of the Christian school is clear. These schools exist to glorify God. The Bible is the textbook for the Christian school. It is the only infallible word of God. It is the basis for everything. All scripture is inspired of God. Inspired means God breathed, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Every word of the Bible is from God. We call this the verbal inspiration of the Bible. Ministers may err, churches may err, but God's word is inerrant. It has no errors in it of any kind, no theological errors, no scientific errors, no historical errors. The Bible is the starting point and foundation for every area of knowledge. It is also the final court of intellectual appeal. The world about us is the creation of God. We cannot understand that world apart from a God. The believer and the non-believer may look out the window and say, quote, There is a cow eating grass, end quote. Both make the same statement, but each statement carries with it a different meaning. For the non-believer, the cow is a product of evolution in a chance universe. It is eating grass that, it, that has also evolved by chance. The cow has no particular purpose or meaning in the universe, except to serve mankind, which has no god over them. Man becomes the god of evolutionary forces. For the believer, the cow is a god-created cow, eating god-created grass. The cow is carrying out its purpose to provide dairy products and meat for man. This is for the purpose that man might glorify God. Man has God over him. Everything has purpose and meaning in the universe because God gives it purpose. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that God created the sun and moon for a purpose, to rule over the day and over the night. Man was created to subdue the earth and to have dominion over it. In this way, we would glorify God. Man was to dress the garden and keep it. He was to be fruitful and multiply and fill up the earth. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach all things that he had commanded. Biblical morality Biblical morality involves living according to God's law. That law is summarized in the Ten Commandments. In the Christian school, there is no question about the standard of right and wrong. It is God's word. The children are taught to worship God, not man, and surely not the state. The Bible forbids idol worship and the taking of God's name in vain. God's name is taken in vain every day in the public schools. The name of God includes his attributes and all the means whereby he makes himself known to man. The name of God includes his word and ordinances. To neglect the Bible is to take God's name in vain. The Bible is forbidden in the government schools. God requires one day in seven as a day of rest. This teaches us that we are not saved by our works, but must look to God for salvation. The secular humanist believes that man is the captain of his soul and master of his fate. Man is his own saviour through the almighty state or the almighty something else, but never the almighty God. Biblical morality teaches that the child is to honour his father and his mother. The Christian school is an extension of the home. Parents choose a school for their children 
and support that school. The school works closely with the parents to carry out the goals of the parents. The government schools, on the other hand, undermine the authority of the parents by substituting the state and state-employed teachers in the parents' place. The school is not seen as a delegated agent of the parents, but as a delegated agent of the state. He who pays controls. The biblical prohibitions against murder, adultery, theft, false witness and covetousness are daily taught in a Christian school. The public schools have a problem. How can they speak out against theft? Certainly, they cannot consistently oppose theft because it is contrary to God's word. They can appeal only to expediency or the word of man. Since the government schools are funded with money taken from the taxpayers against their will and contrary to the word of God, those schools have a real problem in opposing theft. This is why free market economics is not being taught in government schools. A socialistic system can hardly teach free market economics. The state is buying the education at once. It buys the attitude on the part of students that at once. That attitude is one of obedience to the state. Children are always quick to ask why they should do this or why they should not do that. What can the government schools say? Quote, do this because the majority of people think you should, end quote, or quote, do that because I say so, end quote. They can only appeal to feeling, numbers, force, or something of that kind. The Christian teacher points to the word of God. God is the ultimate authority. The effect of Christian teachings. The Bible teaches that the child has inherited a sinful nature. He is born with this sin nature. The humanist believes the child is inherently good, or at least not inherently evil. Because the Christian knows his child is born with a sinful nature, he seeks the biblical answer to sin. The Holy Spirit regenerates the sinner. The sinner turns to Christ in faith and repentance. This is the basis for sanctification as the child grows in the grace and knowledge of Christ. The goal is to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. Thus, Christian education has a purpose. By the means which God has ordained, the Christian child is nurtured in the truth. The child is fed on the, quote, sincere milk of the word, end quote, and he can then grow toward maturity in the faith. Life for the Christian has meaning because God gives life meaning. The Christian knows that he is to have dominion over the earth. He is called to God to subdue the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Every area of life is to be studied in terms of God. Suicide is a problem in the government schools because those schools have a pessimistic view of the future. For them, history is cyclical. Since there is no life beyond the grave, the secular humanists can only live for this world. Furthermore, the whole universe is seen as a giant grave. There is no escape. As the humanist cynic says, quote, Nobody gets out of life alive, end quote. The government schools are preoccupied with a gloom and doom outlook. They see problems, but not real solutions. The Christian knows that history is linear, not cyclical. Time is a creation of God. 
time moves towards the consummation of all things when Christ shall come to judge the living and the dead. The Christian has an optimistic view of the future because he knows that God controls the future. The Christian knows the stone of Daniel chapter 2 that becomes a great mountain which fills up the whole earth represents the kingdom of God. That kingdom will grow and prosper. Of the increase of Christ's government there will be no end. Isaiah 9 The kingdom will be like leaven which is hidden in three measures of meal until the whole is leavened. Matthew chapter 13 verse 33 This same optimism characterised the pilgrims when they landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620. Because their religion was rooted and grounded in God, they were confident as they faced overwhelming difficulties in the new world. As we look at the curriculum of the public schools in contrast with the Christian schools, we shall see more clearly the difference religion makes in education. Public schools are rival religious institutions. Whoever controls the education of our children will also determine the content of that education. If the state is in control, it will dictate what is taught. If parents are in control, their philosophy will be reflected in the curriculum. Suppose the civil government were dominated by Christians. The schools under that government would then reflect the Christian philosophy of the civil rulers. We may be tempted to see this as a solution to the secular humanism in the schools. Quote, Let's get control of the government. Point or elect Christians to the public school board. Then make the curriculum reflect Christian values. End quote. This plan will not work. It is not our job to recapture the public schools. They were never ours in the first place. In principle, they always belong to the state, not to parents. He who pays the piper calls the tune. The state called the tune from the beginning. Parents are supposed to call the educational tunes. We should work to develop a consistently biblical basis for civil governments. God is to rule in this area in all areas of life. We should strive to elect righteous persons to public office. However, this is not the solution for the problem of what is taught in the schools. It is not the answer for the short term or the long term. Our goal should be to attain biblical ends by biblical means. Education is to be controlled by the parents. Parents are to see that the content is biblical. Fathers are to bring up their children in the, quote, nurture and admonition of the Lord, end quote. The children are to be taught the Bible. The Bible teaches that parents, not civil government, are responsible for education. So our goal is to have both biblical content and biblical control. We could spend the next 25 years trying to wrest control of the public schools from the humanists. Meanwhile, our children will be taught humanism if they go to the state schools. We must see that they get a God-centered education now. If Christian parents will act now and pay now, they can have Christian education. It is a realistic goal. Taking over the whole government structure in the country will take much longer. In the next chapters, I want to show how humanists are working to control our children. Summary Neither the family nor the state owns children. God is totally sovereign over all history. He is the creator. Therefore, he owns everything. 
Nevertheless, he delegates limited sovereignty to human institutions. Which human institution has been granted primary control over children? The state or the family? The Bible teaches that it is the family, as the next chapters clearly demonstrate. Are schools to be agents of the state or the family? The biblical position follows from the initial starting point. Families have stewardship over children and therefore over schools. The humanists deny this. They deny God's sovereignty. They deny the creation view or origins and they affirm the sovereignty of man. This means in practice the sovereignty of mankind's most powerful earthly institution, the state. The battle between Christianity and humanism is going on in the debate over education. Christians and humanists have rival views of God, man, law and time. Obviously, the schools are training places for such views. Thus, there can be no reconciliation between these views. All education is therefore ethical. There can be no ethically neutral education. The public schools are built on a myth, the myth of neutrality. This is how they keep Christian views out of the classroom. But as this anti-Christian bias becomes more obvious to Christians, Christians figure out that the neutrality doctrine is a myth. Thus Christians must seek to build up Christian schools and steadily replace taxpayer-financed education. We should get civil government out of the education business. In summary, 1. Neither the state nor the family owns the children. 2. Both positions are humanistic, man-centred. 3. God owns the children. 4. Children, like all men, are made in God's image. 5. He delegates primary responsibility to the family to serve as the trustee for the children. Stewardship. 6. Humanistic governments claim that they own everything. 7. They claim the right to tax us at 100% of income. 8. They control real estate development. 9. A major escalation of government power took place in 1913 in the United States. 10. Humanist views of state-owned property are dominant in the United States. 11. The humanist's supreme principle is the sovereignty of presently held political power. 12. Revolutionaries argue for the sovereignty of future political power held by them, at which time presently held political power will become the supreme principle. 13. Christianity is not neutral. 14. Christian education is not neutral. 15. Nothing that man does is neutral. 16. The Bible is the starting point for all knowledge. 17. The Bible is the final court of appeal for all knowledge. 18. All purpose is God-given. 19. God's word is the standard of morality. 20. Christian schools are the legal extension of the families that send their children to them. 21. State schools are the legal extension of the political sovereign that controls them and finances them. 22. Public schools cannot legally or easily teach biblical morality. 23. Meaning comes only from God. 24. Teenage suicide is, to a large extent, the product of a humanistic view of life. No God-giving meaning or purpose. 25. Christianity is optimistic with respect to the future. 26. 
public schools are rival religious institutions. 27. Our goal should not be to recapture the public schools for Christ, for, by law and morality, they are inherently immoral, anti-family, and therefore anti-Christian. 28. Our institutional goal for education should be the abolition of taxpayer-funded education. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.